I'm just I'm still going over who would you cast in a uh, a lawn mowing simulator adaptation of uh, a film adaptation. I'd probably still be Pedro Pascal if I'm being honest. Uh, hey everyone, it's episode 82. Ivan the Terrible. Uh, this is just kind of an open topic, wrap the week up kind of thing. I I have to be out of here in a, in a hard hour because <clears throat> I have to go strap on some foil and beat up on some old men. Uh, but I thought this would be good to jump in and people can give their quick thoughts on a few events during the week. Obviously, the one that kind of jumped out the most was a uh, Philadelphia Flyers player Ivan Provorov declined to take part in a the Philadelphia Flyers Pride Night pregame skate because of the the jerseys and based on his religion. And of course, this sent every sports journalist in North America into a tizzy, uh, demanding that he be suspended or benched or the organization fined. And uh, this, of course, was capped off today by several of those same journalists being shown the exit doors thanks to Vox Media completely collapsing in on itself. Welcome to Karma. And that's SB Nation, which looks like they're closing their entire uh, hockey coverage division. Ah, you just hate to see that. Uh, we also had Oliver Darcy dishing on the White House press course finally kind of hit their limit with Corrine Jean-Pierre not answering questions. Uh, there were several quotes, one being she's the least effective press secretary in um, modern press secretary history. They didn't count Trump's for that, which is interesting. Uh, the other one being that they don't think that they will ever get honest answers from her because she just reads from her binder. And we did see that this week where she insisted that she had already answered questions that she did not when asked about Joe Biden's uh, classified document uh, problem. And that seemed to be what spurned this whole thing. Of course, the press is ignoring their rampant racism and sexism and the fact that she is a historic figure. So shame on them for that. Um, we also have um, partly we have the whole kerfuffle with the Stephen Crowder real Daily Wire thing happening. Uh, I talked a bit about that on my podcast, my opinion of that. I don't have a strong opinion of it. Uh, you're free to ask about it anyway. Um, <clears throat> I think I, I think my monologue on my podcast pretty much is a better summation, but you're, I know people are uh, talking about it, so that's certainly out there as well. Um, so those are just a few topics to kind of get us off and get us off and running. Um, we'll go as you know, like I said, I have a hard out uh, on the hour, so I will try to get as many people in as possible. No guarantees. Uh, as always, just be mindful. You might have people in the queue behind you that especially goes for tonight. And uh, as always, just be sure to please mute your microphone when you're not speaking. It just makes it easier to, for me to concentrate. It makes it easier for people listening. And it also makes it easier on the, uh, the published recording. So with that, I've laid out a few topics for you. So you can feel free to dive into that stuff, your thoughts on that, um, as well as just uh, anything else. Like I said, this is just kind of a laxed open AMA for uh, this Friday night that saw the end of another ridiculous and Brad, go ahead. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. I was, I was kind of hoping for this to be the, the night that you did the uh, ProProf uh, uh, podcast because I was, I was really looking forward to like a like a sports talk uh, style call in. But uh, I guess hockey is for everyone except Orthodox Christians, which is interesting information. Um and I guess the uh, SB Nation folks, you know, solar panels aren't going to build themselves. Or I hear there's lots of employment opportunities as prostitutes in Davos. So there's some uh, possible positions for them. 
And uh, the really the 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 thing I was thinking about, I don't. I'm kind of a little bit with you. I don't care that much about the infighting and conservative media. The one thing that I, I thought was interesting, I like the cultural things that Daily Wire is doing. That you know, they're not making like conservative movies; they're making just movies, but that you can be confident won't have the ultra left wing gut punch. You know, you won't, you won't, you just you won't get slapped across the face and hey, here's your here's your monthly reminder when you go to the movie theater that religion is bad. Guns are only held by people who are evil and climate change is going to kill us all. Uh, and I, I kind of agree that Crowder was not the best. He got a little too Trumpy for my taste, but it's fine. Uh, my, my thing, I, I used to watch him a little bit like 2015, 2016. My just thing is I like sketch comedy. Like I like the golden age of SNL. That was a lot of fun to me. I liked it in the nineties, even when they were, you know, they made fun of, George W. Bush and Al Gore, because they were both pretty funny people. And I think he, he was, he was the one that was doing it. I, I just wish like there was other opportunities for people to do that same kind of thing. There's so many great things to lampoon and make fun of. I guess that would probably be the Babylon Bee now. So maybe the Babylon Bee needs to make like a sketch comedy show. They do a little like internet clips and it's pretty good. But yeah, Babylon B is also going to be doing like full webisodes. Kill him. Uh, jump back up there, Brad. I don't know if I did that on purpose or whatever. Uh, I know Babylon B is going to be doing full webisodes here, so they're going to be doing uh, more content. Sorry, I don't know if I did that or not. Um, so I know they're going to be doing that as far as like more comedy episode, episodic style stuff. So I do know that's coming kind of in the next month or so. Oh, well, I look forward to that. Um, I think that might have been me, actually. I think in, in an attempt to remute myself, I think I hung up. But yeah, that's that's really just, um, I think, that is the, the kind of the new frontier is in, I guess you would call it conservative media, is just building the alternative to what is there. You know, not ultra left wing. doesn't mean it's right wing. It just means it's like not going to kick you in the nuts when you get invested in a TV, you know, you watch two seasons of a show and then the third season, you know, the woke production assistants decided a character needs to be gay for absolutely no reason. You're like, this doesn't even drive the plot. What are you doing? Um, you know, and, and really, and I think that th there's enough problems in Hollywood and net corporate media that like there's, those spaces will grow because it's a place you can actually be artistic. You know, you can actually, nothing's off limits. You can actually, you know, Chappelle's doing it with comedy, obviously, uh, that those kind of spaces where it's like, uh, you're not stifling the, the creative outlet and I'll let other people talk. Thanks, Brad. Um, I also felt in there as well. I think, I don't think creating say right leaning entertainment or like you say, just entertainment that's produced by that. And what I mean by that is you're right. Um, but there's always going to be a stigma that comes along with, you know, any, like let's say a film is released and it's Gina Carano and then they see that real daily wire published it or what have you people, you know, people who are non 
conservative or right leaning, you're automatically going to go, oh, well, fuck this. Just like we do to a lot of films where it's like, oh, yeah, that's clearly progressive uh, preaching. So fuck that. It's the same thing. Uh, the problem is they have more of a stranglehold on that side of the culture, obviously. So I think what I think needs to happen is it needs to be shown that it's profitable. And I think how conservative media, in a sense, wins in that sense is Gutfeld is a perfect example. So you have, <clears throat> what, four late night comedy shows. They're not even comedy anymore. It's just literally democratic progressive preaching at you. That's it's it's like I said, it's late night group therapy for libs. That's all that's all those shows exist for anymore. Kimmel and Colbert and even Fallon now learned his lesson after ruffling Trump's hair. And then of course Seth Myers is in there. And there was Samantha B, R.I.P. and The Daily Show. And so they all kind of took that format. And they all are just telling you the same things. It's just kind of like who who set you like better at that point. And then Gutfeld comes in at Fox and he does sort of like a tampered down red eye. Um, but he's the only one talking about other things. And so naturally people gravitate towards people who just talk about other things. And there was just this report. I think it was in Variety. It might have been Hollywood Reporter where NBC just extended Jimmy Fallon. And they're kind of like, why did we do this when Gutfeld is cleaning his clock? Now, does that mean Greg Gutfeld's ever going to be on NBC hosting The Tonight Show? No, that's not what that means. But what it might mean is NBC is going to tell their host to knock this shit off. Like, you're getting killed by this dude on Fox while you're sitting here just making fun of Fox. It doesn't look good. So maybe their next late night show host is like, hey, maybe we need to go back to jokes. Maybe that would be a good idea. Now, is that going to bring in a conservative audience? I don't necessarily think so but it might get them to rethink their business models. And so that's kind of how I view that. Um, I, I, I think that <clears throat> someone brought up on the podcast and I'm sure other people want to talk about this, but my thought is I think daily wire w was trying to get their own Joe Rogan is what I, that's what I think. I think that they were looking for someone out there who had an established uh, presence an established audience that could sort of be, take on Joe Rogan at Spotify. Um, and they look, they, they scoured the landscape. And I know that Crowder had known and was friendly with Ben and those guys for a while. And so that's what they were thinking. And if you look at the numbers of the contract, it's basically half of what Rogan's was. And I think that that's what they were looking at. Um, beyond that, like I said, I don't have strong opinions on it either way, other than what, uh, than what I think both of those entities are trying to accomplish. So, yeah, I, I'm in. I like kind of the directions Real Daily Wire was going with Run Hide Fight, and obviously Corano had the Western film, and again they're getting into book publishing and stuff like that. And I think that that's important. It's just I don't think you're, they're going to overcome the stigmatization of being a conservative media entertainment outlet if that's what they want to be. And so, yeah, if they can, if if they can gain an audience, then what you hope is that other studios or, again, other production companies or other networks look at them and they go, they're doing that and they're kicking our ass. So we need to figure this out. And that might be just Jimmy Kimmel going back to deadpanning about, you know, women on trampolines. But uh, who knows? I don't think this current crop of, say, late night hosts is going to do that. I think that eventually NBC is going to have to move away from Seth Meyers, uh, for example, or... Uh, they're going to have to move away from Stephen Colbert. I don't see that happening either. So eventually, I think that those networks are just going to have to learn that five-year-old Trump jokes aren't 
cutting it anymore. The audience isn't tuning in. And so um, the other option there is uh, we enact fairness laws that say if if Stephen Colbert is going to act as a conduit for the Democratic Party, where he has Elizabeth Warren on a show and he has Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on a show and he has Joe Biden on a show and all they do is preach uh, Democratic politicians, then there needs to be some kind of, I don't want to say fairness doctrine, but equal time law that says, hey, you know, we, late night shows didn't used to be political debates and now they're one-sided political debates. And so that's obviously a conversation that would be controversial, but if one down the needing to have. And I brought that up in the past, but um, yeah, I just think you have to show their model to be unprofitable and you have to show conservative media to be profitable. That's largely what Fox News did. Fox News cleaned the clock of five other networks because you had five networks vying for one half of the audience. There wasn't anybody else vying for Fox's audience, and that's why Fox is the top network. It has nothing to do with Tucker Carlson is more watchable than, say, Anderson Cooper. Um, It just has to do with you guys have made a conscious decision to cut any and all right-leaning viewpoints out of your programming. And I said the smartest thing, if Chris Licht really wanted to shake up CNN, the smartest thing he would do is he'd put someone like Ben Shapiro or, God forbid, somebody like Candace Owens in prime time. So that's, but that's, <laughs> that's why I'm not in charge of CNN. Zach, go ahead. How are you? Oh, I, I'm, I'm good. I, I quite enjoyed the, the Canadian host having a full scale toddler meltdown on TV. I actually, I actually looked up that clip that you played on Yeah, YouTube. it's better. It's better with and visuals. He, it's definitely better when you realize it, it, what he looks like saying. Yes, and, and the comments are are not going well for him. Pretty much, it's either people saying, "No, we think we think Ivan Ivan did nothing wrong," and then occasionally there would be a comment that just savages this guy. And um, I, I feel almost like I feel dirty repeating some of them, but I laughed pretty hard. So there's that. Uh, the other thing, and I don't know if this is telling of anything, but Ivan Provorov's NHL jersey is sold out in the NHL online store. Um, I don't know if that's directly resulting of this incident. I, I would be, I mean, it would surprise me if someone saw what happened to Ivan Provorov, unless you're a Flyers fan who just disagrees, but like a random hockey fan seeing this incident and then going to the NHL store and buying his jersey, because those aren't cheap. Those are like 250 bucks. <laughs> And so I, I was like, I saw that talking point going around today. I'm like, do people really like go out and do that? Or does maybe he's not, because I mean, Provorov's not like a known, you know, top three, four, five player on a team. So it was kind of funny. Like, I'm like, do they really go out and sell his jersey or do they only make so many of them? Um, yeah. The, the interesting thing about, obviously it's Canadian media and obviously Canada is a failed terror state. So their media is going to reflect Canada's values, cannibalism, um, uh, massive like drug use, uh, probably some pedophilia sprinkled in there, but that's just Canada's culture. Those kinds of the worst kinds of things in all of society. It's a country that deserves to be bombed off the face of the earth. And let's face it, we probably would have done it already, except we can't really nuke them because we're right there. So, <clears throat> um, their media up there doesn't surprise me and hockey media in particular doesn't surprise me uh, with their takes. What I did, what I was, I would say a little bit surprised of uh, 
I, I would be interesting to hear what Don Cherry would have said about this. And for those of you who don't know who Don Cherry is, Don Cherry is an old school hockey guy, broadcaster. He was fired over some woke thing, wore extravagant plaid jackets with a carnation and everything. He's known as just an old Canadian tough guy. And I would be real interested to hear his take on this whole thing. Um, another interesting thing I thought about this is what happens if he did this in Canada? Because Canada has hate speech laws and hate crime laws up there. And I really thought about if he if if a Russian player, he's not an American citizen, if he if he's been here since he was 13, he's been in the United States. So he's but if a Russian player, let's say it was the Philadelphia Flyers versus, I don't know, the Edmonton Oilers, and they had Pride Night up there and he sat that out in Canada, something like really asked me. Would would police be investigating him right now? And so again, that's what Canadian. That's what the failed state of Kanadistan is, and that's what Canadian media is. So it doesn't really shock me. It does shock me that not a single hockey journalist came out and went, "I saw nothing wrong with this." And it's either because they become so progressivized and woke, or the ones who actually said, "Yeah, he's, this is free speech. He shouldn't have to be able. He shouldn't have to be doing this." actually just sat on their hands and didn't say anything. I would think it's probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I mean, anymore now, if you speak out, you know, if you're a journalist and you speak out against the, the mindset, then, then you get lumped in. Oh, you're just as bad. You're just as homophobic. You're just as this or that, or, and you get driven out too. Um, and as for Canada, not only is it a failed terror state, but their uh, government-run health care has now uh, yeah. reached the point where uh, it's expensive to treat you. So how about you just die? We'll help yeah. you die. Yeah, which, I mean, it didn't obviously happen in this country, but people predicted that's where that kind of medicine was going to go. And we'll compost you. That's the new one. Um, yeah. But people predicted that's where this is the natural end of this style of health care. Um, something I was really curious about, and I, I mean this genuinely, I know he's a punching bag for a lot of people in this room, but I'd be genuinely curious to see David French write about this at the New York Times. This is, this is one of those compelled speech. It's not a free speech issue, but it is a compelled speech issue. This is one of these uh, freedom of religion style arguments he's really good at making. And I'm just wondering if he would be making it at the New York Times in one of his first op eds. That was another one that kind of went across my mind just to see the reaction or to see if he would actually take it up. But that was another fun one that I thought. Uh, yeah, um, but but when you talk about com compelled speech, you don't have free speech if you're compelled to have to say something. Because free speech is about not only saying things, it's about not saying things that you right. um, maybe don't. And so I did want to, I did want to, I meant to do this earlier, but I haven't been on. Um, back when the Twitter files dropped and we saw what the FBI was doing in terms of censoring people. And um, that is a First Amendment issue because the government can't censor you and the government can't just outsource their censorship to somebody else and so all that stuff with the fbi you know suggesting quote unquote that you know we take take this person down take that person down that is a first amendment issue and it, it should be 
Uh, it is when it gets into government coercion, and that's always the thing, is you can't make the private company argument anymore. Um, if, you know, private companies, you have a government agency such as especially law enforcement AG under the, the, the tacit admission of threat. They're not directly threatening them, but it's like, hey, you know, if you don't do this, that's what we saw kind of with the White House uh, wanting to take down Tucker Carlson's content. It's like, hey, you know, if you don't want to do this, we can just come in and sanction you or we can just fine you or we can just regulate you out of existence, et cetera. And that's I think that that was my thing. I haven't been following a lot lately on the Twitter files, but that was kind of the thing that you get from it is Facebook and or I'm sorry, you know, our intelligence apparatus, CIA, DHS, FBI, just looked at Facebook and Twitter as theirs. Like this belongs to us. We need to leverage this uh, online platform to do the work of us. And whether that work is getting people vaccinated or upending the government of the Philippines or wherever, some Eastern, minuscule Eastern Island nation or something. Um, and what's funny, because nobody else kind of looks at it that way. You, you log on and you do your funny meme or you do your philosophical thought about the nothingness of second wave feminism or whatever. Um, or you talk about films or you do whatever. And here you have these entire agencies putting enormous value on these platforms to the point of like, they believe that these belong to them and they were going to coerce all of the people at these platforms to do their bidding. And we know this because we saw that just about, you know, every single person who left one of these agencies to go into the private sector ended up going to Facebook or Meta or Twitter. And a lot of them are still there. And so while, you know, Elon Musk can drop as much Twitter files as he wants, those people aren't going anywhere. I mean, they're still going to be there and they're still going to be using these platforms. And I think that that's how they view this. They don't view this as anything super damaging. Uh, they, they just view this as, well, they can't fire us. I mean, he could obviously fire the people at Twitter and we'll see where that gets him as far as being regulated. But the rest of them are just still working there. And they're like, nah, this, is, this doesn't matter to the, to the kind of work. Yeah, yeah. And and. I mean, the, the lawyers for Jim Comey going there and being the, the general counsel of Twitter and pushing, you know, to to basically cover up things that Comey helped, you know, facilitate and push is basically the perfect example of how our government works now. And so anyway, that was off topic a little bit um no i um i'm i'm glad that the the journalist got some karma and every time i hear the you, like when cnn plus shut down and they were going you're happy that all these people lost their jobs and it's like no i'm laughing at the hubris of a network that has an audience of seven people thought that they could start a streaming service like that's what i'm laughing at I mean, it's partly that. The other part of it is these people always think that they have enough power to either sway this debate or, <clears throat> I guess, influence it. And then you learn instantly they are out of power, at least temporarily. Um, so you, you can be at Vox and you can call this a disgrace and you can cut. But, and then you won't debate anybody why. And then you wonder why three days later, when you've just been laid off, people go, ah, all right, see you later. Um, 
And I think that that's part of it. It's the fucking arrogance behind how they treat what they think their job is. And of course, when you're a journalist and you don't consider any point of view other than he's a bigot and people go, well, wait a second, hold on. If, If hockey's for everyone, why is it not for, you know, Russian Orthodox religious players? It says hockey's for everyone. That's the, the funny thing about the NHL choosing that slogan, as well as the EA Sports game choosing that slogan, is what you actually mean is, you know, we're inclusive, but only to these certain groups. And by definition, it means hockey's not for everyone. And so they, and this is kind of, this kind of sums up the snake eating its own tail that ultimately is, you know, inclusivity around wokeness, which is when you say we're being inclusive, you're actually not being inclusive because, um, you're, you're purposely excluding certain groups to be inclusive with yourselves and others. And again, that's always the paradox. We saw that at the University of Missouri campus where, um, you know, when, when they, they were protesting over, uh, I don't know, a poop swastika or something, whatever incident that was. And then they said, we only need spaces for African-American students because we're being inclusive. Well, no, if you're being inclusive, then that means everyone can just kind of walk up and be in that space with you. That doesn't mean be an asshole. It doesn't mean go up in disrespect. Um, I, I can understand. I, I, I guess I can understand why they would look at it as this might be a slap in the face. And then there's other things about why he possibly did this. One is, uh, you know, the the anti-LGBTQ laws just passed in Russia and he still has family in Russia. And so there's there's the thought that if he is seen skating around in a rainbow flag jersey, that the Russian government would see that and possibly take action on his family. Um, But that's I mean, that's not what he said, but that's something else that's floating around. And so, no, I am not for anti-LGBTQ laws. I'm against hate speech laws because they're the ones defining what hate speech is. And that's now we get into that territory. Um, But again, by definition, if hockey is for everyone, then it's for people like Ivan Provorov who can stand up and say, I'm not doing this because of my religion and my faith and my own beliefs. It's fine if you want to. It's fine if you want to go out and wear the ribbon and wear the jersey and do that. I, I have nothing against you choosing to do that. Peace be upon you. And what we're learning is the other side is saying that's not good enough. It's not good enough to just say good for you and good for you and your, you know, your same-sex marriage or your same-sex family or whatever. It, you must comply. And if you do not comply, then you must be punished as a lesson that goes out against other people who might not decide to wear the flag. Andrew Sullivan had a great tweet about this. He said the gay rights movement was about um, tolerance and accepting people and just fighting for rights. This L- this new LGBTQ movement is about submission and compliance. And you're going to squander all of the goodwill that you guys got, especially when the gay marriage law got passed. Most people just went, yeah, cool, whatever, great, uh-huh, great okay, like, uh, hell yeah. And then what we saw is there was a there was a section of the activist left that tried to go after churches where they said, you're going to host our wedding. And the Catholic Church went, no, we're not. We're not going to. We can't do that. And then they tried to file a civil rights lawsuit. We see this going on with Jack Roberts in, in Colorado, who apparently is the only baker in the entire state of Colorado. So it's about compelling people, forcing you to be tolerant. And we, as we've always seen, you can't force people to be tolerant because what ultimately you're going to do is piss a bunch of people off who tolerated you 
who just likely say, well, we're not going to tolerate this. And that's ultimately where this goes. And again, yeah. I, I said, I don't know who the NHL thinks their audience is for this. Um, they've been going down this road now for a while, and I don't understand it. I don't understand why they think that these displays are a good idea. Um, and that's fine. People say, are you fine with military? No, I don't know. Like, why do you need to display any political affiliation during your fucking warmups? There's just no need for it. I get that you do it. The NHL does, you know, a soldier appreciation, or at least the New York Islanders did, where, you know, they bring a service member in, they give him him and his family tickets, and then, you know, during a tight TV timeout, they acknowledge him and the, the arena stands up and cheers. Are we going to start doing that for the random gay in the house? <laughs> it's incredible. Well, I, and it's like, you know, here, here sitting in seat 1B is Ralph Gustafson. Ralph is a proud single-sex father of that. Ah. And they're going to put a rainbow spotlight on him, and everyone's going to be forced to stand up and go, great job, Ralph. Like, you're, like where does this go? And yeah, so and I know I'm, kind of, I'm being obnoxious. I'm being obnoxious, but that's probably what they're going to demand because we saw sports journalists objecting to military service night. And well, so, and, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and and not only will they will they go to that, it'll be like uh, be like the Stalin speeches where everyone kept clapping because if you were the first person to stop clapping, you were probably never yeah, seen again. Stop. They're going to have cameras all over yeah. and they're going to find, oh, that asshole in seat C2, he stopped first. He's, he's not standing. He's not standing. Escort that one out of the arena. So, I mean, yeah, that's ultimately, they don't, the problem of why these journalists get cheered at when they get fired is because you can't even say to them, well, hold on. He he's he has religious beliefs because they believe that all religious is just bigoted and wrong and hateful against gay people. When he didn't say anything, he he didn't say anything like I'm against gays. He just said I'm being true to myself and my beliefs and my religion. It's Orthodox, you know, Catholic Russian, which is a pretty ancient traditional religion. Okay, and that's all he said. He didn't come out and he's, I mean, it's funny because he's the one guy in this entire incident that isn't forcing his lifestyle on anybody else. And somebody else said, and I said this on the podcast, it's weird that we're now forced to celebrate people's sexuality, like not, not acknowledge it, not, you know, acknowledge that you can be married or acknowledge that you have the right to adopt, which I'm all for media matters. Hit me with that one this week, by the way. Um, It's, it's that we we are forced to acknowledge your sexuality, and that's that's just a weird thing for me, I guess. Not, and I don't care about it, but it's just like this is a thing that we we have to do now. We have to acknowledge your 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 preference and sexuality. Like, okay, this is getting absurd, is what it is, and that's ultimately when journalists they're so bereft of say a, of a religion viewpoint. Not that they themselves are religion, but they're a religious department at their website. Hey. You get three journalists in a room, and let's say you want to cover this incident. You have one who is uh, pro-gay rights, right? Maybe one is a sports journalist. And then you go, hey, go get Stephen who who covers religion. Bring him in here. Let's talk about this. And then maybe you co-byline a piece. And so we don't see that. We see them all kind of one big hive mind. And then today we just saw half of that hive mind get laid off. And then they expect us not to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, and um, and and I will I will leave you with this. I went to Houston last week, and and everything was still still stable. I'm still in good shape. Um, 
although if you want entertainment that that matches um you know kind of the new woke mindset um you can watch uh velma no but thanks if you do if you do you will want canadian healthcare, and i will leave you with that yeah that's an You just reappropriate uh, past titles. Some, there was a great conversation about this. I think it was with Dave Marcus from New York Post about how reinventing history under a, a, under a kind of a, a woke orthodoxy is, has anything to do with playing with reinventing entertainment properties. And I thought that that's something that could be interesting debate depending on where it's going i just kind of choose to sit that one out i will not be watching velma and it's not because i have some deep-seated love of scooby-doo i just it doesn't look good to me hey uh hey steven um i just i'll make this uh as quick as i possibly can um john fetterman still uh not an active aviator so we've got that going for us um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as far as uh he's not he doesn't I, appear I to be an active senator either no no his wife is really doing a great job though yeah, which i'm excited about <laughs> um I, I got a, some thoughts on the pro raw thing and then one quick thing about the economy and and the election i guess it's you know not that far off now uh god help us um you know the Provorog thing. We're 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 talking about religion, and and you've 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 hinted at it, and you you've said it a couple times. But, um, you know what what is the difference in not not the gay rights movement fifteen years ago? What is the difference in the current, you know, gay rights movement and and a true religion? Like at what what they actually you know you talked about it's about compliance. You know, like it reminds me so much of like the early 1900 Catholic Church. Like it's all about compliance and and just you will submit like it has nothing to do with, you know, like actually like trying to, you know, coax you into believing something. It's 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 all about like just making it like a dominant religion and they treat it the same way. Reporters treat it like a religion all these people treat it like a religion and you said it on the podcast and it, it's, it's a little bit funny to me, but it's also kind of sad because I've, I've been in the middle East for so long. Um, you know, there, I mean, if this guy had been Muslim and somebody on the NHL network had told him to go back to like, let's say Syria yeah. and become, become cannon fodder, yeah. like, that dude would have not only would he have been fired, but he he might have been jailed. Like, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Like, well, that's would have... similar again. That was the comparison I made to Cesario's commentary, where he said, "Don't hide behind religion." Pierre LeBrun said the same thing. <laughs> Don't hide behind your religion. I'm so. He said, Cesario said, anyone who does that is sick, and I want to throw up. And the first thing you just have to say, and, and I get there aren't many devout Muslims in the NHL. There is one, and that's Nazim Kadri, and he, yes. he, just, he just won the Stanley Cup with the Colorado yeah. Avalanche. <laughs> Go Avs! Yeah. Um, and I don't know if he's practicing, but he did take the Stanley Cup to a mosque. So I oh, he's, he's, he he's practicing. He is so, very much practicing. Again, 
if he is, and I don't know if the Flames have held their Pride Night or if this was just what whatever teams were playing on Pride Night, um, the NHL probably did that. They're like, don't schedule the Flames. Um, but that's the thing. If Nazem Kadri did this, do you think you're going to get a segment on Canadian television saying, don't hide behind your religion and this makes me throw up? And yeah, you're right. By the way, you need to go. You need to go off. If you don't like how things are here, go back to Afghanistan. Um, yeah, I mean, people would be fired out of jobs. There, you know, there's two instances. We had one where a baseball player refused to come out of the dugout uh, for the anthem, and then we also—that's Michael Brendan Doherty. People also forget Muhammad Abdul Rauf for the Denver Nuggets wouldn't stand for the national anthem. I think it was either before 9/11. I thought, yeah. My my memory's hazy, and I remember this because I lived in I grew up in Denver, but uh, he wouldn't stand for the national anthem, and he you know, and he was villainized by fans, and then the media was defending him, and this is just the reverse of that, and like I said, one of the best points that I heard about it was John Ekdahl said, it, when you remember the anthem things happening, it was hey look this looks really bad for the NFL when entire teams are kneeling and now it's a thing. So the compromise was just don't come out of the locker room. Just stay in the locker room. And WNBA did this and the NBA, some NBA players did it. And they were voted as heroes. And now you have one player who doesn't come out to do the thing, the current thing, whatever the thing is, he just stays quietly in the locker room and he's, he now needs to be suspended. He's doing the thing that they said was, you know, heroic. And that's what you learn. It's not about the principle. It's not about the religion, because you're right. If he's a Muslim, we're not hearing about this. Um, it's about the politics and it all, it's about all about politics. It's not about acceptance. It's not about love, you know, love everyone and everyone welcome and things like that. Um, it's about submitting and complying to politics. And we can't have one guy on an entire team of about what, 30 guys, one guy just says, I'm just going to stay in the locker room. And his team said, fine. And his coach defended him. And all of a sudden he needs to be kicked out of the league and sent back to Russia to die. And I'm, I'm 100% of the view that him being Russian made it 10 times you're correct. worse. You're absolutely correct. 100%. Yeah, you're absolutely correct because that's, I, and that's, you know, I said on a podcast where we're in this thing because of the Russian war, we need to cancel opera singers and athletes and tennis players and literature and film stars and Dominic Hasek uh, proposed and who gives a shit about Hasek, but he proposed <laughs> banning every Russian player in the league until this is over. And it's like, what the fuck are you like? What do you really think? Like the, the you know, the Washington capitals are going to go, okay, Ovi, you need to sit. No. That, and that's all unrealistic, but you're absolutely right because, because he's Russian and they're the bad guys again in the world. Um, it makes it easy. And that's, again, if he was Muslim, we wouldn't have heard shit about this. There would be no television combinators going, stop hiding behind your, uh, your Islam faith. Yeah. And I mean, like uh, the, the last point on this is, and it's one that you said, it's like, where does it stop? Like, when do we have like, you know, five years from now, are we having the, like, um, you know, cut off 13 year olds genitals like night at, at hockey, like, because they've already started like with the trans hockey stuff, like where, I mean, and somebody was talking about it today. It's like, and I don't mean to, to like make it out to this, but like, the, what is the NFL tr NHL trying to do? Like they are literally the 
whitest fan base in America. In North and, America. Like, I, I feel like they're like, just like, we just want to burn down. Like, we're not actually that popular of a sport. And whatever popularity we do have, we just want to burn the last of it to the, the absolute ground right now. Like, yeah, I mean, I, this, is, this, is, this is what I talked about, about the, the EA video game, which is... Um, it's like they they forced diversity into the video game when that diversity doesn't exist in their actual game. And that that's why I referenced it on the podcast. I, I don't really care that there's like a black female, female referee, okay? It's not something I'm going to throw the game away and whatever, but that's what I noticed. I'm like, you don't have any African-American women as, as referees. Maybe that, maybe you should. Go out and find one that can skate. There's like got to be like three of them out there. Jacqueline's up next. Maybe she'll do it. She can skate. Um, I know she can skate. So go yeah. out and find one, or someone should apply. And and if they can keep up with the game, and if they can make calls, and they can, great, great, let's do it. But the fact that like the referees in NHL are like Hispanic women, African American women, and Hispanic and black men, like all of them, it's funny. Um, it just, it, it makes, it just kind of gets you to go out of the game a bit and just be like that, what? That's just weird. <laughs> and when you, if you stand up and say something like that, they're expecting, you know, to clip this and say, oh, the bigoted, he's doing the video game. Oh, it's crying over a video game. When, when, no, I'm not. It's just, it's weird. It takes you out of the game. And if the NHL truly believes that, uh, you know, trans women are women. And I said this to them is. Uh, Sarah Nurse, who's uh, the Canadian captain for the women's team, great hockey player. Um, she's on the cover, and I'm like, okay, which NHL team would like to sign Sarah Nurse? Let's see it, okay? And let's let's see what happens when she goes into a corner with Victor Hedman. And it, <laughs> Jesus it, it's that simple. Like, if you really believe that, then let's do it. It's kind of like this Facebook thing that we're now Facebook and Meta and Instagram are going to allow nipples and breasts, but only of non-binary individuals. And I'm kind of like, aren't you just admitting that they're not actual breasts by doing that? Like, what are you guys doing? You're being so woke that you're not changing anything. And so that's the thing that, like you said, like who, who does the NHL think their audience is? Um, and they're just, they're sitting there like, you're not going to force this kind of stuff on there. The NHL's had several of great, you know, black stars. You have P.K. Suba and you had Jerome McGinley. Right now you have Evander Kane, although he's kind of a cocksucker. Um, and so you do have these, these players and stuff like that. But if you try to make it seem like P.K. Subban is more important than Connor McDavid, you're going to lose a lot of fans. And that's just plain and simple. Yeah. And there was a time I, and, Jerome McGinley was the best player in the league. I think he won an MVP. He did. And so, yeah. and everyone was fine with that. Like everyone was just no nobody yeah, went. No one cared. Won, nobody went. He only won that because he's black. I didn't. You didn't see one story about that. And so again, when you try to force this diversity into a culture stuff like that, all you do is make people reject it. And in, instead of evaluating it, what generally happens is those people forcing it simply attack the people rejecting goes, Oh, it's because you're racist. And then they go, well, I'm not fucking racist. And there, here we are. This is exactly where we are. And again, I don't know how the NHL thinks this grows their sport. Should there be more ice rinks in urban communities? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Get anyone that wants to play hockey to play hockey, but you're right. It's just kind of a thing where it's okay to have cultural differences. It's okay that more black people play basketball. You know, it's, that's, it's okay that that's the case. It's not okay to say, sorry, black kids, you're not allowed on the ice. 
That's what's not okay. Okay. And there is an understanding of that or sorry, cracker, you're not coming out onto this court because that law, that's not okay. And people, we generally have an understanding of this, but again, when you try to force this on people and then you get someone who stands up and says, this is my religion, it's my faith. And now here we go. Suddenly hockey's not for everyone. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll, uh, I'll just leave you with this. Um, so uh, we're, we're, we're obviously going into a, a presidential cycle. I think the, the whole Biden stuff, I think it's all about getting Biden out. But I will say, as the economy goes, when the Fed decides to start cutting rates, um, you should go ahead and get scared. I think it's going to happen at the end of this year, which means we're going to be in a recession in a presidential year, which I think shapes up really well um, for, uh, for Ronnie D if he does get in. Um, because, uh, you're going to have an 81 year old, uh, senile bastard, um, and, uh, and an economy with, uh, probably a six to 7% unemployment rate, possibly pushing eight, eight or 9%, which the fed wants, and you're going to have, uh, uh, a recession. So, uh, I think it sets up well, as long as, you know, the, the GOP doesn't step on their dick, which they have a quite, you know, they have a tendency to do, uh, and they still might do it. But, um, I think it's going to actually set up pretty well for a presidential cycle, maybe not our pocketbooks, but for at least for a presidential cycle. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take, and Ben, thank you. I'm going to go ahead and move on, but Thanks, yeah, I'm, I'm taking a respite from, electoral politics for uh, for at least months we we already obviously have nikki haley who looks like she's going to run or at least try to and throw her hat in and so uh I, i'm trying to like hold off on that a bit so uh we'll finish up here with jennifer and ben jacqueline i know you have opinions here i can't wait to all right so the um entire thing with the whole Ivan Perloff ordeal has just been a crazy cycle. I like, I don't, obviously, you know, I like hockey. You know that I am a big light. Did you like your lightning and Oilers game last night? That was a fun one. Oh, I hated that game. <laughs> a five, three loss. Yes. That was, I know it I knew you were gonna. You you that might up. you might see them again this year. So that was an that was an entertaining fun. So yeah, so when I when I saw the story, like as you know, I'm a black lesbian. I like hockey. I don't specifically go to hockey games because it's Pride Night. I go because it's gonna be a good game. And so if I want to spend $150 well, then, to go to well, a game... Well, then we definitely know there were no gay people at the Flyers game. Yes, there was definitely no gay people there. That's for damn sure because they made sure to screen their DNA with their COVID passports to make sure they get in and they knew whether they were gay or not. So I, I, I just don't understand why people don't get the fact that you can... Like just you, you, you can want to watch a sport and want to support someone, but if someone doesn't want to, like you said, put the ribbon on, that's not a big deal. Who cares? He he just sat in the locker room. That doesn't offend me whatsoever. And for 
all these people that are probably, like you said, straight white men to be telling gay people how they should feel about stuff is just ridiculous. Yeah, to me. that's a that's a good observation that the majority just went into the paint so hard. Like, I care about gays. Why don't you? Um, in that kind of tone in their tweets and everything. And that's an, that's an, that's a good point in the sense of like, I saw a couple of accounts on Twitter. You know, one guy was claiming to be a gay male and he's like, he had a funny one where he goes, I don't care about these jerseys. Who cares? He said, everyone knows the rainbow motif is just tie dye anyway. And like, like that. And he's like, just play the stupid game. And that's what's really weird. It's almost that's almost like the the Black Lives Matter thing, where you know it's, I care more than you do, and, and if you don't care as much as I do, then you you need DEI training or something. And I mean, that's a really good idea that the majority of the sports writers making this case uh, aren't part of. They're not even part of the culture. It's just kind of like I care. This Russian guy, this Russian Putin thug. Um, or whatever, he's like, he doesn't care. And, and someone pointed out that one of the funniest things I saw, I think it was Wishneski from ESPN said, you know, for those bitching, he goes, Evgeny Malkin, he, he, he participated in Pride Night. And when this wasn't about nationality, it was about religion. And it's just like, are you this fucking stupid? And the thing you learn about sports writers is they are. Someone Someone had another good take about that on Twitter where they said, you know, nothing is more cringe when sports writers try to weigh into politics. They step out of their lane and then they do it badly. And Wisniewski had a few of those where he, you know, he tried to he tried to do an own on Provorov because Provorov put on the military jersey. And he said, see, Provorov has no problem playing dress up when it's something he does believe in. And I was like, yeah, that's the point. That's what everybody is saying, my guy. How how do you miss that? How for a guy who writes for ESPN, how do you miss that point? Like, that's what we're saying. Players should be allowed to put on the jersey of the cause they care about and then the ones that they don't. That's exactly what we're saying. And it's kind of like somebody said, do you think if a player refused to put on the military jersey, how that would have gone? And I would have been like, do you think militaries are popular? Like, do you really think that? Um that's not really the case right now. Nobody likes, you know, foreign interventionism right now in case you didn't see the mood across the United States. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a great point that these sports writers think that they have to stand up and tell the gay community what they should. Yeah. And just to end on that, like, I, I, I just don't understand what their, their thought process is to try to convey some sort of cause that they're doing. And it's, it's just ridiculous. And just to let someone in the comments know, it wasn't a delivery door barking, uh, dog barking. It was just my dog being stupid. So um, good luck with your Ford Explorer getting that next yeah it's it's my first it's my first experience with having something wrong i'm literally going out and starting it like every hour before i have to go to my game just to make sure that i don't have to uber it in case so um yeah fun i'm, I'm learning the joys of uh of vehicle ownership jacqueline thank you we'll go jennifer and ben and then wrap it up but jennifer th
Uh, Jennifer, just hit the uh, the mute icon down there in the left corner if you can't find it. All right, we'll do this. Jennifer, try to uh, next eight minutes. But Ben, uh, thanks for waiting back there. Go ahead. Hello? Yep, you're there. We hear you, Ben. Yeah, that's right. Um, just a quick one. Uh, you mentioned yesterday or the day before about what if this happened, what if the player was Muslim. Um, we actually had an incident like that uh, in Australia about a year ago. Um, we had a female Muslim Australian rules player refuse to actually play a game because the jersey was uh, pride-themed. Um, and then, ironically, six months later, we had a similar incident uh, where some Christian rugby league players refused to play a game for the same reason. Uh, and the reactions were, yeah, they were kind of decidedly different. different. <laughs> like you still had the whole, you still had the whole, uh, oh look, you know, she shouldn't be doing this. This isn't right, you know. She should just play the game. What does it matter? But the the uh, vitriol was decidedly less compared to what Provorov is getting and to what the uh, rugby league players got, given that they were Christians. So your hypothetical happened, uh, and yeah, it was decidedly different. No calls to go back to uh, whatever country she'd come from um, to go fight in whatever war her country was fighting at the moment. I mean, and that's, I mean, it's, it's perfect when you, in practice in the sense of that's all, that's all you have to do is to say this and say, okay, how do you think this sounds again, if this hockey player is devout Muslim? And of course they would say, well, there are no Muslims in hockey. And then you go, ah, okay, that's another discussion we could talk about. Um, But yeah, that's how you know, this isn't about acceptance. It's not about, uh, it's not about tolerance. It's about compelled speech. And it's about the fact, and then second, you get into marginalizing groups. And that's what this is. So, you know, if it's a Russian Orthodox white dude, um, which is funny that they think that that's something of privilege, I guess, when you grow up, then that guy, they're, they're literally just doing this based on his skin color, which is a whole other, you know, woke equals racist style narrative of this. But again, then you get into battling who is more marginalized, who isn't, uh, what have you, um, that's when you get into kind of these problems and that's when you get into, again, all of these groups just fighting. And, and so, and the other thing I noticed, and I said this on the podcast, is this isn't the gay community. That's not really what the issue is. The issue is progressive journalists and activists that are pushing this. Um, and that's, I, I caution people about that. This isn't about like your gay neighbor is the problem here. It's the problem is, is again, you have woke progressivism infiltrating journalism and sports journalism to push intolerance over each other and creating these kinds of conflicts. When again, most people were just like, the dude just stayed in the locker room. What's the problem? Something that you all championed and agreed with when other players on the NFL field did it is suddenly now the problem. So it's not even like I'm withdrawing the speech. It's all he did was refuse to be forced to speak on something that he disagrees with. 
just the simple act of choosing not to is now the issue. And so, of course, we, we kind of knew that that was where that was all going to go. Um, there was another instance. Somebody else did something in my podcast comments about this. Um, it was the other thing that was funny is on this morning breakfast show in Toronto, the co-host tried to equate this with Qatar saying, you know, if you wore a rainbow in Qatar, you were murdered. And now we're now look at where this has led. And I'm like, what? What? Like, Provorov's not out there executing gays. What the fuck? And so you just kind of have to sit back and marvel at the way that their brain twists the logic here of, well, he's just a bigot. And you go, well, hold on. He, he, didn't, he didn't say anything about hating gays. He just said, I'm staying true to myself and I respect other people's beliefs. And I, I said on my podcast, like, who sounds more reasonable here? Was it John Tortorella, which you've ever listened to John Tortorella? He doesn't ever sound reasonable. That's the funniest thing about this. Um, or the Canadian host slamming his f- fist on the desk, demanding that the NHL punish this organization <laughs> over what? And so it's hilarious when you can sound more unreasonable than John fucking Tortorella, which if you if just if for those of you who don't know who he is, just YouTube some of his press conferences and clips. They're they're gold. They're. Yeah, look, the, the notion that, you know, gay people are going to be murdered in Philadelphia because of this is ludicrous. Uh, people of all races. People get murdered in Philadelphia over getting, dumber things yeah. than that. Yeah, everyone's getting murdered in Philadelphia, so equal opportunity city. Alex, uh, that's all I got. Now you got to get to it. You get your game. So have a good weekend. Yeah, speaking of, I have to go play my own my own version of intolerant hockey. Um, so yeah, that's that's another fun point. We'll just end on NHL commentators saying we're going to send Provorov back to Russia to fight and die when all he has to do is probably go five blocks east of the Philadelphia arena if that's what he wants to do. (laughs) Um, Sorry for those of you I had to boot. I just, like I said, I'm up against a hard out here. Uh, It's been episode 82, Ivan the Terrible, and then also Green Job here, and then some of the Daily Wire stuff. So just kind of a cornucopia of bullshit, as I said that I would title it. Um, Thanks again to my callers. All good, quick, uh, good thoughts tonight. Thanks again for my listeners. Thanks for uh, spending a quick hour with us here. Um, I'm going to try to be back um, next week, probably Monday or Tuesday, depending on how we do. So, again, uh, thanks again for keeping this up there uh, on Colin. And again, if you, if the secret isn't out, I will be making a jump to Substack where you can just sign up for that. It's Miller versus Media at Substack right now, and I will be launching that probably around the first or second of February. So not too much time left. So uh, feel free to sign up over there if you want the podcast. I'm also going to be doing more writing and uh, more interaction with the audience, and I'm going to be doing it for a whole hell of a lot less than fifty million dollars. Everyone, enjoy your Friday nights and enjoy your weekends. I'm Stephen L. Miller. This is episode 82. I have been the terrible of